This is the PGA of Canada Professional Development Podcast Series. Industry leaders, PGA professionals discussing technology, fitness, planning your business, building your career. These talks, these ideas, developed for you to live a better life and earn a better living. this opportunity to welcome everybody to, to today's podcast. The topic is sports psychology today and how can enhanced mental training allow you to get the best out of your athletes, the best out of yourself, and uh, to move forward and reach your true potential. Our guest today is Penny Werdner. Now, Penny is the Dean of Faculty of Kinesiology at the University of Calgary, but she also serves as a sports psychology consultant for Canada's national Olympic teams. She's worked with a number of athletes, a number of different teams, and not only does she have a, a huge knowledge of the practical application of the sports psych, but she also knows tech from a technical standpoint because Penny was an Olympian herself. So she has uh, you know, that knowledge sort of both sides of the fence, that the, t the coaching aspect and the athlete uh, from, from the athlete's point of view, and seeing what works from the, for the athlete and what works for the coach and what works for both of those two populations. So uh, you know, we're pleased to have her as a guest today. Uh, formulated a number of questions, uh, a little more along the stuff that I run through and into on a coaching base on a day-to-day -day basis. And hopefully some of the questions I have are some of the questions you have. And we'll get some answers from Penny and see if we can enhance the performance of, of our athletes as we move forward. You know, basically in my experience, I've been coaching about four or five years now with um, mostly all junior athletes, so U U18s. Um, uh, the majority of them probably uh, say 12 years old to 17 years old in that range. Yeah. And uh, so we, I go through goal setting with them on a, on a, a year, uh, you know, a yearly basis to start, and then we do short-term goal setting, and we look at those, and then we readjust as, as needed. And usually, one of the biggest issues that the athletes I find is that. It's, it's how do they reduce, first of all, how do they reduce anxiety and tension leading into competition, and how, are, how do we as coaches, how are we able to train them and develop that skill set with them, or do you think sometimes we need to look outside of, of uh, with, with a different integrated sports team rather than trying to do it in-house? Well, there's a few questions there. I mean, I think the first way I would start to answer that is that anxiety and concerns and nervousness, um, they're a normal part of competitive sport. I mean, once you're, you're competing against someone else and trying to be better than them or as good as them or make the cut or make a team, I mean, it's inherent in competitive sports. So it is important that we normalize that and understand it and accept it. And then you know, the whole piece around sports psychology is the skills that help you manage that. So, but I do think it's important to accept it. Unfortunately, it's not going to go away. Um, and in actual fact, sometimes when athletes aren't a little bit anxious and a little bit um, nervous, they actually don't play as well. So it's really just managing it so it doesn't become unmanageable. Um, in terms of do you need some help with that, um, as opposed to just doing it yourself as a coach. Um, well, there's, you know, there, I could go two ways on that. I think if you're, if you're interested as a coach, 
Um, in the psychological prep side, I think you can absolutely play a very significant role in enabling your players to develop these skills. Having said that, um, you have lots of different tasks as coaches, and so sometimes it becomes a bit overwhelming. And to have someone else help you with those tasks is useful, just as you might have um, <clears throat> a flexibility coach or a strength and conditioning coach or a sports psychology consultant. So I think you can go either way on those. Um, what I think is really important is that if you do bring someone on board for your, with you as a sports science team is that you, you, know, you really work together and the real purpose is how much better can we enable this player to be from all our different areas of expertise. So I think it's really important we work together and certainly in my role, uh, with the teams and the athletes and the players that I work with, that's the best way I work when I work with the coach um, and myself and, and the athlete. That's the best combination. Okay, wonderful. So, uh, you know, basically they, you're saying that they have to embrace it. It's always going to be there, and then they just have to somehow um, work with it and figure out how they're going to uh, provide their best performance based on that. So. Uh, you know, whether they're trying to sink a three-foot putt or your athlete's a linebacker trying to run somebody over, obviously they're going to have different um, emotional levels in order to try to be effective in their sport. Yeah, and the, the somehow part of, um, of doing that are really, there's a very distinct skill set on how to do that, and we can all get better at it. There's no... I mean, for sure there are some athletes who inherently seem to manage the anxiety of competition better than others, but they're few. They are very few. And so they're really learned skills, and it's really getting players and coaches to understand that learning these skills is almost as important as the physical and technical training. And the reality is at the Olympic level or at major competitions, it in the end is what makes the difference. I mean, if you're healthy and you've trained well, there's a lot of players who have done that and have some talent. And so then who actually plays well in the big competitions and competes well at the Olympics are those who have honed these skills from a, from a psychological standpoint so that they know what to focus on and what that is. Um, and I know you have a question around that, so we can talk about that. Manage that anxiety and learn through their career on who they are. So the first skill for sure is self-awareness, that they, they start to understand who they are. And that's what makes my job so fun, is that every athlete is different and they struggle with different nuances of what they do to themselves that doesn't help them when they compete. And so it's fun to figure that out and discover how to uh, to change that, and I think that's what you can do as a coach as well. And I think that's that's probably the big piece of that is that each athlete you deal with is going to be different and handle things in a different fashion, and and that is is part of probably like you said with your job is part of the the uh, the real the fun part of that is sort of uh, maybe finding the proper key to, un to unlock uh, those issues and have them compete at their highest levels. Yeah, and it's a challenge for sure, but I think it's a pretty fun one. Uh, but it's a challenge sometimes, yeah. Well, for sure. Well, so, so as we, we kind of went back, we, we kind of led into my, my question about focus. Um, and, you know, so often 
coaches and no matter what the sport is, they're always trying to get their athletes to focus. And and I think you know it's it's one of those phrases that everybody fires down, but I don't know if any a lot of people really understand uh, kind of the definition of that. What would you define the, you know in terms of our sport with golf uh, focus and, and how might we go about kind of introducing that skill to our athletes? And is it something that we should train on a, on, a, on a fairly regular basis, just like you know, mostly there's technical training involved most of the time. Should should that training be involved uh, in those sessions? Well, 100% on the latter part. Um, I mean, focus is really. I mean, it's not specific to one sport. It's it's absolutely a skill. And what it is is that the actions and thoughts that you are having at any point in time are specific and relevant to the task at hand and are within one's control. And so, you know, being focused, I mean, the reason we struggle so much with it is because we throw the word around a lot, one. And two, it's a very, very simple skill. It's just very hard to do. It's being, it's being right here, right now on what I'm doing. So if you and I, right at this moment, on this podcast are focused on what we're talking about, which is sports psychology skills for golf, then we're we're focused on that task and I'm not, you know, thinking about ten other things. And we could probably in this instant get away with that a little bit, although if I don't focus on what you're asking me and thinking, then I'll have to ask you to repeat the question, right? Right. And I don't want to do that. So and 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 so that is, it's a real simple skill is what are we doing now and am I focused on the task um, at hand? So very simple, obviously, I think obviously not easy to do and not easy to do because of the stress of competition that, that's inherent in competition. But let's leave the stress aside for a minute and, and just stay with focus and so so I think what golf has done a very good job at is creating a very good plan and there's many texts out there and books on what to do when you're actually over the ball. And I think that's quite useful and quite effective. But I think there is a missing piece in golf and that is when you're walking down the course, you still need to be focused at least part of the time thinking about what your next shot's going to be and how far am I from the green and am I in the woods or what do I need to be doing so there's some decision making in there that require focus and it's also how you then take a break from that focus when you're walking down because to be focused takes like the brain waves that are related to being very focused and on task um, are called beta one, and they they take energy, and so we can't certainly in eight eighteen holes of golf you can't be focused uh, for the entire time. Most of us, so it's how we take a break from that in golf and come into focus when we need to, and take a break and come back, and what those pieces are. And so it's not just on the green; it's when we're walking down the fairway as well. Right. So if we 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 get very narrowly focused when we're playing a shot, and then, like you say, if you hit it, we're walking from A to B to get to it. Um, it's going to, like you say, it's going to be physically exhausting if the athlete was trying to grind their way around a five-hour round four days in a row. Yeah. So, I mean, as they try to make that 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 focus more broad, I guess would be probably the best term. 
um, what is what is something the athlete could be doing maybe between A and B to alleviate some of that that high energy focus and and, and still kind of be aware but but not be grinding all the way along. It's, I mean, that's going to be different for different people. But is, is there some sort of techniques or strategies or, or um, ways of diverting your mind a little bit that, that can make you kind of get out of it for a minute and then as you approach the next shot, kind of zero back in on what you need to do? Yeah, and that is the skill. And then how, and this is where it has to be individualized, and this is where the player needs to become self-aware is what do I need to do when I'm walking down the fairway? I mean, I would say most athletes, most players need to be walking down and taking a break. So they could be chit-chatting about something else. They can be looking at the gallery. They can be thinking about the weather. They can be doing a variety of things. The difficulty and the skill then is then when you get to your ball or maybe, maybe a minute or two before you're thinking, okay, what is my plan for the next time I'm in front of the ball, where do I want it to go? How do I want to get to the green? What's the wind like? All those technical cues, and you can do that. I mean, I don't really want to put a time on it. You probably know that better than me, but like in a minute and a half. So it is that sense of compartmentalizing. Here's when I'm going to focus and decide what I'm going to do. Here's where I'm going to take a break. Now I need to get it back again. And you can do that by a nice breath and shoulders down. Okay, what's my job now? How do I want to hit this ball? Where do I want it to go? Breathe and then execute because you actually don't want to be processing that information when you're actually going to execute. Right. Um, <clears throat> and Babylonia out of Italy is called that neural efficiency, which we know is actually where we want the brain to be when it's hitting the ball is really not processing information letting the skills take over, but you've done some prep beforehand to think, okay, how do I want that to go? So it is coming in um, and out of that focus. And that in and of, you know, knowing what to focus on is part A of the skill, and then knowing how to take a break from it and then get it back again is sort of part B of the skill. So, so do you think that, you know, from a coaching standpoint, the athletes that have, the the most consistent process day in and day out are probably going to be the most effective at, at probably being able to do what you're talking about, going in and out of that, as opposed to the player yeah. that sometimes you get some players and you say, well, what is your process? What do you go through before you're going to execute? And, and a lot of times they aren't even aware. So, I mean, if we make them aware, like you say, they get to within 30 seconds of when they have to hit that shot and they, they process the information they think is required for the shot and then they're able to walk in and then play that shot, that that athlete is probably going to be more successful in the long run in terms of probably managing um, yeah. burnout and so on and so forth as they go through. Yeah, and there's a physiological component to that. Like to actually get back to focus, it's like you got to relax your body, think about something, then breathe, and then go execute. So there's a combination of both neurological and physiological skills. But one of the things I would say for sure um, is that many players, many athletes, once they know how to play the game or race their race or move their canoe or run on the track, is they often come to practice very unfocused. Um, and because they know how to do the skill, it wouldn't be like you suddenly learning how to play golf where you really have to focus because you don't actually know how to play. You don't have the skill set, technically. Um, and in this case, 
they have that, so it's easy for them to come to practice and be loose and not really be particularly focused, but they actually play well. And then what often happens in a game situation is they, you know, what I sometimes call hyper-focus, but they try too hard. And they raise those expectations of, I've got to make every shot well. And that's the other part of our brain starting to say things to us and the other voice saying, okay, you know, I've got to do this, I have to do this, I need to do this. You get physiologically tight, because that is what happens when we think those thoughts to almost everyone, and then you can't execute as well. So it is also playing into expectations of, of, of not expecting, particularly a game of golf, to hit every good shot well. Yes, in a sense, that can be our goal, but how, how many good shots can I hit? And when I don't hit a good one, how do I fix it for the next time? And that's also part of a broader focus, but a bit more of a plan um, for the game. Right, and, that, and I think that's it's the more golfers I tend to work with, I tend to find that when I ask them the, sort of their process and they say that, so they're out playing, for instance, like you said, they have to try to, they have to, that's the problem solving to critically, critically think on their own because they're out there by themselves. So if they go out and they were, say, to miss a sh- two shots to the right, it's, uh, most of the athletes I work with, it's very difficult then to go back to a process and execute rather than try to make this movement based on the result of the previous. So I find them getting into situations where they're changing their process based on the previous result. And, yes. and I don't know if, if that's kind of similar, that's probably similar throughout all athletics, I would think, but uh, it, it's just hard to get them back to a, to a focus, assuming the process they were using was valid and it gives them good result. How do, you know, how do we get them back to doing that rather than always sort of being judgmental about what they've just done or thinking too far ahead about what may happen or what they have to do in the future? So that's just sort of an observation of mine that, and, and not really with, uh, only with elite players and, and with less skilled players, but kind of at all levels. Well, you're absolutely right. And this then moves us to another skill, which I'll come to in a minute. But if I'm focused on the last bad shot, do I have the correct focus if now I'm in a different place, on the green or on the fairway? Right. And the answer is no, I'm back on that other shot. Or if I'm ahead, you know, at hole nine, which I know is going to be really tough, and I'm only on five, I'm not focused. So it's not that our brain won't go there and our thoughts won't go there. It's how we change it back to what we want it to be. So that's one piece. Second piece you brought up is um, just around being, you know, we can, there's many things we can call it, but we, one thing we could call is being resilient is you're going to make, I mean, I don't know who's had a perfect round of 18 holes. I mean, there's probably somebody, maybe, one time. But so it really has to be about how we forget, how we let go of that bad shot, how we learn something from it, in 30 seconds or a minute, and then how we move on to the next hole. So it is, it is that process of, of resilience because if I'm back on that one, I am not going to play this hole well. Like, I'd put serious money on that. So, right, right. And that, but those are skills, and that's what we're getting people to understand. And the, and the third point is how do we actually, well, actually, you talked about assuming it's a good process. And, 
we figure out what a good process is by by what I might call analyzing uh, or debriefing uh, a game or a practice and saying, so when you hit that well, what were you doing? Because that's where you as a coach help the player develop that self-awareness. Well, I was doing this. Okay, let's just keep doing that. Or when it wasn't good, while I was doing this, I was thinking about, you know, one of the other people I was playing with and how well they were playing or how terrible they were playing or whatever. I was thinking about my mom who's going to be on the, you know, whole 10. Or, I mean, there's so many things that can be out there, but it's not in the right place. And as soon as you get players to start to, they have to be honest, they have to talk to you about it, but once they start to do that, they do start to understand how <laughs> it is the simplest things that can throw you off but then you also start to understand, well, I can change that if I want. So that's, a, that's the analysis part that's so important in learning what's the best process for you. Because, you, you know, some athletes, it's possible, you know, walking down the fairway, I don't want to think about anything else except the next hole and I want to be thinking the whole time. It's possible that could work for somebody for 18 holes. I don't know. I've, you know, when an athlete or player says to me, this is what I want to do and try and I think it's going to work, I say, okay, let's do it. And then we assess after that and say, so did it work? And I mean that in the best sense, not in a sarcastic sense. Right. And if they say, yeah, I say, cool, let's do it then. That's awesome. That's what works for you. Because what works for me could be quite different. Um, and it's a long game. Um, and so the good news about golf is it's a long game, so you have lots of time to fix mistakes, but you have lots of time to make them too. So it's how we build that that resiliency in. So yeah, okay, why wasn't that so good? Okay, because of this. Because I okay, then what do we need to do next time on the next hole? So absolutely. So you look through, uh, you know, debriefing afterwards, and maybe go through three or four or five events and see if there's similarities yeah. in those debriefs when they get some breakdowns in terms of maybe what they're thinking and then try to, you know, attack and maybe reshape the way they think. Would that be sort of a valid process? Yeah, and I would say that in within three or four or five games um, or tournaments that, that you would really start to, as a player with your coach, start to understand what really works for you. Yeah. Right. Okay. Now, having said that, it's never perfect. <laughs> right. Well, absolutely, yeah. Um, and, and I will add, I mean, maybe you're going to ask me this, but I will add, often what you need to be doing is taking the pressure off yourself. Or what I find is that more often than not, when we need to change something, it's like dial it down. Take the pressure off. Just see how well you can play this hole or this shot and stop making it the end of the world um, because there's going to be bad shots and maybe this isn't going to be the best day. So how can I make it a better day? And often as soon as we do that with thoughts and then some commitment, then physiologically relax. And, of course, if you're trained well, you hit better shots. Yeah. So it pretty much would probably, you know, thing would probably come down to if the athlete is, feels they're prepared and they go into competition, probably that that anxiety of not performing as well as they would think is probably would be lessened. Yes. Yep. 
So training is very important. Practice is very important. And and probably practicing and, and playing to try to simulate the yes. the same situation they're going to be coming into, right? Absolutely, yeah. And and still having some fun out there and some chit-chat because it's a long game. And then carrying that same, you know, mindset's a word we use now a lot, carrying that same mindset of in, into the actual game. Like, if it works so well in practice, let's not make it any different in competition, which is not, you know, none of this is super easy to do. If it was, people would play stellar all the time. We'd never see people choke or fail or underperform. So it's not easy, but these are learned skills 100%. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so, um, leading from that, um, you know, we're trying to, to visualize, and you know, we try to get our athletes to, in that part where they're trying to refocus. They they try to visualize what they want to do for this shot, and maybe they want to curve it a certain way, or or hit at different heights, or whatever the case may be. Um, with, with with visualization, obviously, that's that's going to be a learned skill as well. Um, now, in terms of visualization, do you think when when somebody's visualizing an effort they're going to make. Is it best for them to, or is it going to be different for each person? Are they, is they, are they visualizing themselves doing the actual movement, or like in, in terms of a golf shot, are they actually visualizing the ball leaving the club and then curving through the air and coming to land? Is that different for different people, or is there one way that's maybe more effective than others? Well, it really is different for different people. Visualization is such an important skill, and I would say for many of us, but the reality is we're visualizing things all the time. I mean, visualizing sort of implies seeing versus anything else. But we're feeling, feeling, seeing, <clears throat> sorry, having expectations of things. So it's a really important skill. It's also not an easy one for lots of individuals. So the only rule I have around visualization is you, you cannot, you should not visualize mistakes. Right. Because you're already going to make those on the course. So let's not practice that any more than we have to. So we always want to be visualizing good things. And if we can't do that, then I stop practicing the skill for the moment. Whether you see yourself doing it, as in a video, or whether you're actually doing it yourself, there's, there's no conclusive research on which is better. And so I say, don't worry about it. And personally, in my own career as a track athlete many, many years ago, I, I spent a lot of time visualizing races. And, you know, there were components that you couldn't, you know, everybody wanted to sit in third in the 1,500 meters and you, you know, you couldn't always get that. But you, you thought about where you wanted to pick it up, what you wanted to do, and you committed to that plan. And then you had to have some variations of that. But never once did I get through a race that took, you know, four minutes without going back and forth between seeing myself and actually doing it. And I don't think it matters. It does not matter. The piece that matters is don't visualize, you know, screwing yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. And, and just stop when that happens and go back to an easier skill. But it is a really important one. What I see is some athletes get carried away and do it too much. Again, it's like here's my five minutes of visualizing. Um, and I'm going to think about, you know, hole five, and I'm going to work on where I want to be and how I want that to be, and if it's windy and if it's this. I mean, that's great preparation. Or maybe you go through every hole and do that. Um, you could do that. Um, but it's always, here's what I'm going to do, here's what my plan is, here's how I want to feel, 
here's how I want to hit it, and you see that happen well. Thank you.